0: Good morning, Gateway family. It is great to see you on this President's Day weekend. I know we have many out traveling today, and we pray for traveling mercies for those who are away, but I'm grateful we get to gather together to worship the Lord this morning. Just want to give you a heads up on several upcoming opportunities for you so you're aware of those. First of all, these are all coming in March and April, but go ahead and mark your calendars. March 5th, Gateway's Got Talent. We are having a talent show, a talent showcase that Haley Falcone has put together for us. It's going to be a one-hour evening, 13 different performances of you know, dramatized reading to singing to musical instruments. It's going to be a great evening. And so we'd love for you all to come on March 5th. is a Saturday at 6 o'clock. Also in March, mark your calendar. March 19th, we're having a Gateway Family Day. We are head up to Watunka. There's a horse ranch up there, and we will have horseback riding available, there will be opportunities to go fishing, there will be opportunities just to enjoy being out in God's creation. We'll have outdoor games like bocce ball and cornhole, and so we'll provide you a free hot dog lunch. We'll start at lunchtime and carry through the afternoon. It's for all ages, so hope you'll mark your calendar and join us on March 19th. Then looking a lot further ahead to April, at the end of April, we have Secret Church Simulcast. Secret Church is six hours of in-depth teaching on a topic from author and pastor David Platt, and this year the topic is Who Am I? What does Scripture say about understanding our identity and who we are in Christ? And so that's going to be Friday, April 29th, 6 p.m. to midnight here. Advanced registration is required for Gateway people. There's no cost for you to attend. See the email you got from us or visit the Gateway Community Facebook page for the code to use at checkout to wipe out all the cost for that. Now, last announcement I've mentioned over several weeks since really the beginning of the year, this Dwell Bible app. And if you're not using this, we just want to remind you about having access to that. The church is providing this to you at no cost to you, but we'd love for you to use this as a great way for you to hear Scripture and read along. You can click on a read along and actually read the words of Scripture as you hear a reader read it with background music. It's just a great way to immerse yourself in God's Word. They're reading plans to help you stay with it through the year, chronological plans and thematic plans. So it's a great way to, I just want to encourage you to utilize that tool. There's a link you see up on the screen to how to get to that website to sign up. Now, as we prepare our hearts to sing to the Lord, we can ask you to stand, please we to read just one verse of Scripture for us this morning as we focus our mind on the Lord. We'll be singing a lot this morning about the glory of God. We're going to be singing and focusing about how great He is and His character and His nature. And we're going to start with all creatures of our God and King. That we're, it's a call for us to worship Him in humbleness, to praise God. And so as we sing of His glory and sing of His greatness, let me just remind you what the psalmist said in Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Let's sing about the faithfulness of our Lord and give him glory this morning.
1: Your voice with a sea Let's be you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see God tend to dwell again with us, he does. Is anyone worthy, is anyone whole, is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? He is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe and every nation in turn. He has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with the sun. Is he worth
2: Is worthy. You can see that. I'm gonna during the prayer today, I'm gonna pause it sometimes. I was prompted. God just made me feel that there's some prayer requests that you have as well. And so when I mention these things, if you just lift up those people in those situations, He is worthy. In Psalm 96, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is worthy and we do well to remind ourselves of this. One other thing that I read that I wanted to That is who he is, and who are we? O Lord, I am astonished at the difference between my receivings and my deservings, but between the state I am now in and my past gracelessness, between the heaven I am bound for and the hell I merit. Who made me to differ but thee? For I was no more ready to receive Christ than were others. I could not have begun to love you Hast you not first loved me or been willing unless you had first made me so? Oh, that such a crown should fit the head of such a sinner. Such high advancement be for an unfruitful person. Such joys for so vile a rebel. You have your, Heavenly Father, you have your ways and we do not understand them. And you have brought us into your kingdom to demonstrate and show your grace. And there are more than two or three gathered in your name here this day, and we know that you are here in our midst, and we we just come before you with hearts that are heavy for different reasons. And, Father, we just want to lift those up, and we want to uh, look to you for the ways in which you will act in these circumstances. And we all have different issues that we have dealt with. And right now, Father, we just have on our heart people that we know that we want to lift up by name that are are suffering from loss. know that are in fear. and decisions in their... Friends and family that are under terrible burden. friends and family that are dear to us that that do not know you. Father, and God, when you walked this earth, you walked when there was turmoil, and you walked and you had family that we don't know that knew you, that didn't believe who you were. You saw loss. You saw people reject you and turn away. You saw betrayal you saw people under heavy physical and other kinds of burdens. You saw those things. You, we don't lift those to you as somebody unfamiliar with these sufferings and these griefs and these challenges. We thank you for that. We We lift these prayers that we've whispered this morning and we we know that you've heard them, no matter how softly that they've been lifted. We, we pray that you'll prompt us to bear these people in mind as we go throughout this day today. And help us to reflect on them. Help us to be an encouragement to them. Help us to lift their concerns and their needs and their burdens and their fears to you. And thank you that we know that you can and are able to act and you're able to give grace people who need it in these these difficult times, difficult situations. We lift up uh, the word that you will speak uh, through Grady this morning and pray for it to be clear and true and to speak to us and to our hearts individually in ways that you would have us to hear it. We pray that we will reflect on that throughout this day and that we go out of here and we go into this week as people who reflect your glory in all the circumstances and interactions that we encounter. We lift up these things in Jesus' name, amen.
0: First to fourth graders, head out with Miss Molly to kids' worship. It's good to see you, Gateway family. I want you to find Acts chapter 1 in your copy of God's Word as the boys and girls are headed out. Acts chapter 1 in your copy of God's Word. The last two weeks as we continue through the New City Catechism that's been guiding us, we've been focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit, who He is and what He does. This is such an important topic if we're going to be rooted and grounded in what we believe about who God is and His nature and what He would desire for us Today we continue again with part two of question 37, and that's the question of how does the Holy Spirit help us? How does the Holy Spirit help us? Now this is a rich question. There's so much we could say on it. And so what we're going to say this morning is far from exhaustive. There's so much more that we could talk about than even in this one time this morning. So I'd encourage you to go get the catechism, to read through it, read the scriptures associated with it, and begin to meditate and ponder on the many ways that the Holy Spirit Helps us. Now, as we jump into this topic, let me remind us of something we've seen before. When we talk about the nature of God, there's only one God. We believe in monotheism, that there's just one God, but God Himself exists as three persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a mystery that we call the Trinity three in one, one in three. Each person in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, is fully God. Each one shares all of God's attributes. So, one person in the Trinity is not more merciful, one is not more just, one is not more loving, one is not more wrathful. They all share all the attributes of God all the time. They are fully equal. But what we keep seeing is they have distinct roles in how they work. We've seen that in creation. We've seen that in salvation, and today we get to see that once again in how the Holy Spirit works in our life in very distinct ways. Now, we've seen this over the last two weeks. So let me just remind you what we've seen about the Holy Spirit so far. We saw two weeks ago from Titus 3, the Holy Spirit gives us our faith and sustains it. Yes, friends, we are that dependent on him that we would not have initial faith if it wasn't for his work. We would not have ongoing faith today if it was not for his work. We would not be able to believe without Him working in us. Then we saw last week from John chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit guides us by giving us an understanding of Scripture. Yes, once again, we're that dependent on Him. We cannot understand Scripture apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Now today we see one more way of the many ways the Holy Spirit's work is necessary. Today I want us to see that the Holy Spirit helps us by empowering us. So how does the Holy Spirit help us? We saw He gave us faith We saw that he guides us. Now today I want to see how he empowers us. Now as we think about this topic, this is going to push us to realize that all the amazing things the Holy Spirit does for us are not just about us. He has a plan to work through us for something much bigger, for what we've just been singing about this morning, for the glory of God. So he's going to empower us for a particular purpose and a particular mission. So as we read our text this morning, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, We should be looking for what does the Holy Spirit empower us to do? And how does he do that? What does the Holy Spirit empower us to do? And how does he do that? So Acts chapter one, verses eight and nine, can I ask you to stand please in honor of the reading of the word of God? Listen to God's word here for us. Acts chapter one, verse eight, I'm reading out the English standard version. We also will have the words on the screen for you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit who's given us faith, who's given us ongoing faith, who's given us understanding in the word of God. And so we come this morning asking for the Holy Spirit to continue his work, even as we talk about what he does, that he would today give us understanding to the word of God, that we might understand who you are and understand how you desire for us to live. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And Thank you. You may be seated. Now, before we dive into this particular verse, let's make sure we understand the context of what we are looking at today. We're in the book of Acts. This is a book written by the same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And in the Gospel of Luke, he tells us all about Jesus' life. He tells us about Jesus' ministry, his sacrificial death, his resurrection. And Luke acknowledges that as he starts this second book. Look back in verse 1 of chapter 1. He says, In the first book O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So I think we have it up on the screen for you, but Acts chapter 1, verse 1, we see Luke acknowledging in the second book, he's now going on to something different than what he did in his first book. His first book was all about Jesus' life, ministry, death, resurrection, but now he's going to focus on something different in this new book. And what's he going to focus on? It's what happens after Jesus returns to heaven. Look at verse number 9, what we already read earlier today, just a minute ago. And when he had said these things, this is when Jesus said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So after verse 9 here, in the rest of the 28 chapters of Acts, we see how Jesus continues his work now through the work of the Holy Spirit. We see the birth of the church. We see the growth of the church. And we see what happens is God breathes a New Testament church into existence through the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens starting in verse 9. But where we are today, particularly in verse number 8, is between the resurrection And the ascension, this is when Jesus was still physically appearing in a resurrection body with his disciples. Look back at verse 3 of Acts 1. He, Jesus, presented himself alive to them, to the disciples, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So here in Acts 1-3, we realize that we're in a period of these 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. Now this makes what we're reading today massively significant. Because these are Jesus' final words on earth. this his final charge to us. The final thing he wants his followers to hear, those final closing words he wants to be ringing in their ears and in our ears because this is his instruction for us before he ascended to heaven. And what is the last thing that Jesus wanted to make sure his disciples heard and understand? Back to verse 8 this morning. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. and You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, to make sure we can understand this, this is a familiar text for many of us, and sometimes the familiarity of this text causes us to miss the wonder and the application for of this text. So I want us to ask four questions of this text this morning to make sure we understand what the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit helps us and what he's helping us to be able to do. So four questions to understand this text. Now, to get to our first question, we have to understand that this teaching begins with a promise. So go back to verse eight here. Jesus says, but you will receive Power. Now, let's just stop right there. So here's our first question to understand this text. What power do we receive? What type of power are we receiving? Now, I don't know about you, when I think of power, I think of electricity. And this time of year, I particularly think about my electric bill that came a few weeks ago, right? When we think of power, we're thinking of how much we spend on electricity. But this is not about electrical power. This is not a promise that we're going to have electricity surging through us. This word power is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the English word dynamite from. This is also not a promise that we will have dynamite within us that will blow us up. That's probably not a promise, right, that we want to have. But this word is where we get dynamite from. So if it's not electricity and it's not dynamite, what is this talking about? This word dunamis in the Greek means might or strength. You can translate this word power with the word strength or with the word might. The strength is the ability to do something. So if you've watched the Olympics, you hear people talk about the strength of the athletes. They have the ability to do something hard things. You talk about people in school, wow, they had the mental strength to write that paper, to accomplish that thing. We talk about strength being the ability to do something. So when we read here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that we will receive power, this is telling us that we're going to receive the strength to do something. We're going to find the might to be able to do something. Now that leads to the second question for us. How does God give us this power? How does God give us the strength or this might to do something? And we see that in the very next phrase here in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, friends, this is future tense here because the disciples had not received the Holy Spirit. We're on the other side of Pentecost. So for all followers of Christ, this is now true for us. The Holy Spirit has already come upon us. So this is an astounding truth for us. This means the power, the might, the strength we need comes from God himself. It comes from his very presence in our lives, that God gives us power, God gives us strength and might by giving us his very presence. Now, this is so important that Luke shows us this in the end of his gospel as well, and then repeats it here, Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Jesus is speaking here, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city. You need to wait until you are clothed with power from where? From where? On high. The power comes from on high. This is God's power that he's giving to us. God's strength he's giving to us as he gives us his very presence. So what power do we get? We get strength to do something. Where does it come from? How does he give it to us? By giving us the Holy Spirit within us. Now, this is the important part. Question three, why does he give us strength? Why is the Holy Spirit empowering us? Why is the Holy Spirit giving us strength from God through God's presence in our lives? Now, If you look back in Acts chapter 1, the disciples are a little bit confused of what's going on. Go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he's been teaching about the Holy Spirit. But when the disciples hear this, their minds don't go where their minds need to go. They misunderstand what he's talking about. And so you have verse 6 that appears here. So when they had come together, they ask him, Lord, will we this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, we don't have time to fully unpack that this morning, but one of the authors I was reading this week said there are as many problems in this question as there are words in the question. There's so much wrong in what they're asking. But at the core of it, the disciples were taking all that Jesus was saying and were hoping it would apply to an earthly kingdom. They were making this political, not spiritual, national, not God's purposes. And this would be a world if. Jesus establishes a political kingdom. They're going to have a ton of influence in it. And so Jesus corrects their thinking. And friends, what he teaches here in Acts 1a is a corrective that we still need today. Because there's so many people who view the Holy Spirit as the one who gives us power to get whatever we want in life the power to realize our dreams, the power of self-actualization, the power to make us wealthy and healthy and heal every sickness and all those type things. And just as Jesus lovingly corrects the disciples wrong thinking he gives us his word to do the same for us today. My friends, there's also another error that perhaps is more common in our faith tradition and that is not even realizing we need power from on high. As we go through our lives, not a lot of times here, not overly obsessing and making the Holy Spirit do things beyond what his role was, but completely ignoring him and missing his role in our lives and thinking that we're somehow self-sufficient people who don't need anything because we can do it all ourselves. And so just as Jesus's words corrected his disciples, his words become a corrective for us as well. And in so doing, it shows us here how the Holy or why the Holy Spirit does give us strength. So why does the Holy Spirit give us strength? Go back to verse eight this morning, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be. Let's just stop right there. You will be. This is future tense. This is what's going to happen. In the Greek, this has also got an imperative sense to it. You must certainly be. That's why I love how the new American standard translates that you shall be. This is what is going to happen as the Holy Spirit gives you power, gives you strength, gives you might from God's presence. This is what will flow. This is what will happen. He says, you will be my what? What's the next word? What's he what are we going to be? His What? There we go, his, his witnesses. Now, to be a witness is to have a testimony. We're to be his testimony shares. We're to be the ones who testify about Christ, the ones who make Jesus known into the world. Now, what does it mean to give his testimony, to be his witness? I love how 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 describes it for us. In 1 Peter 2, we get a glimpse of what it means to be a testimony. Peter says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions. All of these cool things God has done for us so that you may proclaim, you may shout out, you may advertise, you may make known the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So to be a witness is to proclaim the excellencies of Christ himself. Now, this is what's so important here for us because this means God gives us his power, not for whatever random dreams you and I have, he gives us his power so that we can proclaim the excellencies of Christ so that we can be his witnesses, we can be the ones who share his testimony. Now, what is the goal in us proclaiming these things? Why is it so important that we proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light? Well, Matthew's gospel tells us this. There's a parallel account of Acts 1-8 and Matthew's gospel. These were said at the same encounter, but it's a different part of the conversation. Remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell us about the life of Christ but they tell us different parts of it. They tell us different details because they are different authors with different personalities and they're writing for different audiences. So when Matthew records for us Jesus' final words, he tells us a little bit more of the conversation than we just have in Acts 1. So Matthew chapter 28, look at verse 18 to 20. This tells us why we're to be proclaiming Christ's excellencies. Again, these are familiar words. And Jesus came and said to them, "'All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me.'" Verse 19, "'Go therefore and make disciples of all nations.'" Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Teaching them to deserve all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So, what is the goal? What is the reason why we are to be witnesses, why we're to be proclaiming the excellencies of Christ? Well, if you go back to verse 19, it tells us right there the only verb in this sentence is to make disciples. The verb is not to go. The imperative is not to go. The command here is to be making disciples. Everything else around this tells us how. We make disciples. So the reason to why we need power from on high, the reason why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit is so that we can proclaim the excellences of Christ with the goal of making disciples of all the nations. Now, what does it mean to be a disciple? Now, this is important because, in, unfortunately, in American Christianity, a lot of times we confuse conversion with making disciples. Convincing people to pray a prayer so they don't go to hell is not making a disciple. What is a disciple, friends? A disciple is someone who builds their life around the teaching of another. A disciple is someone who commits themselves to follow a particular. Teacher, So a disciple of Jesus is a person who gives their life to Jesus, not because they want to get out of hell, but because they've fallen in love with Jesus and because they believe in him. As someone who knows God for who he is, they're in awe of him. They want to serve him, therefore they want to obey him. That is what a disciple of Christ is. And our commission is to be proclaiming the excellencies of Christ, 1 Peter 2, with the goal of making disciples, making people who want to love Jesus and follow Jesus. Now, we see this idea of surrendering to Jesus and following him in the very surrounding verses. Matthew chapter 28, go back, we're already in verse 19. And it says, go therefore and make disciples. Now, how do you do it? The next phrase, baptizing them. Baptism is the way someone confesses their faith in Christ. So this is just indicating this is a person who's not ashamed to tell the world, I belong to Jesus. He is my master. If we go into verse 20 here as well, where we see the command to be teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Again, a disciple is someone who wants to follow the teachings of Christ. They want to know him more and more and they want to follow him, not to get to him, but because they already belong to him. That's the goal, friends, is making disciples, pointing people to this path of following Jesus with their whole life. So go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now with all that in view of the goal, look back at verse 8. But you will receive power, strength, might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my testimony. You will proclaim the excellencies of Christ with the goal of discipleship in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That means, friends, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to proclaim the character of Christ, to proclaim that he is God, to proclaim him to be the only way of salvation, and to lovingly call non-believers to repent and believe in him. Friends, discipleship doesn't stop with someone believing in Christ. It's just really beginning. And so this is a call for us to continue to proclaim to one another who Jesus is, to continue to call one another as believers to a life of discipleship, to continue to speak the truth and love to one another, to hold up the gospel before one another, to help each other, to get into each other's lives, to help us grow in godliness, friends. That is what making disciples is all about. If you think of discipleship that way, you may be thinking, well, that's a really hard thing to do. And friends, it is a really hard thing to do. And it was for them as well. Look back in verse 8 here and notice how he ends here. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, when I hear this taught the most, I primarily hear this taught in terms of, well, don't forget your city, don't forget your state, don't forget your country, and don't forget the nations. I don't think that's what the main emphasis of this is. Now, that's not a bad application. God wants us to be witnesses wherever we go. But I think when the disciples heard this, I think they heard something different than we do today. I don't think they heard city, state, nation, world. I think they were reminded of how hard it is to make disciples. And Jesus is reminding them of the challenge of the mission. Jesus says, you're to go make disciples in Jerusalem. Now, if you're the early disciples, what's just happened there? Jesus had just been killed 40 days ago and risen from the dead there. He's saying, I want you to go back to the place that just crucified me, where I was hated, and you can start making disciples there. You start showing non-believers the path to me. You start discipling believers to become fruit-bearing disciples. You run to the place where I was killed and start telling people about me. That's not exactly a fun commission for them to do. Well, what about Judea? Judea was where the disciples had already been rejected. If you go back in the gospel, this is a place they had already been and people had not received him, So Jesus says, I want you to also go to Judea and make me known there. And I can see the disciples being like, whoa, whoa, time out. It's hard enough for me to go back to Jerusalem. You were just killed there. But now you want me to go back to what would already done work and where we hadn't had any fruit and nothing had happened. You want me to go try again there? And Jesus says, yes, go there also. And he says, go to Samaria. These were people who were considered outsiders, culturally different. Jesus says, yeah, go to the people who don't like you and you really don't like in your flesh. Go to people who look different and think different than you think, who live in a different culture, and point them To me, Proclaim my excellencies to them also. Go to people who you naturally wouldn't affiliate with and still make me known. And if that's not hard enough for the disciples to go where Jesus was killed, to go to a place where they had had no fruit, to go to a place to where they're considered outsiders and they don't get along, then Jesus says, and yeah, while you're at it, don't forget to go to the ends of the earth. Go to the Gentiles, the people who hate you and your race typically hates. Go to a place where people have no framework, no concept of me, and start making disciples there. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth is more than geography, it is a reminder to these disciples of how incredibly challenging this mission is. Unless we think it's not going to be, unless we think it's going to be easy, even the word itself to be a witness is a reminder of how hard it is. This word witness, you will be my witnesses, is actually the Greek word martus, where we get the word martyr from. A martyr is someone who is killed for their faith. You are to be my martyrs, my witnesses, people who are willing to lay it all on the line for the sake of proclaiming my excellencies. And we look at how difficult that task is. This order of verse eight is so important. He doesn't say go and the power will follow. He says, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit and then you will be my witnesses. The power comes first to enable this hard work of making disciples in whatever setting we find ourselves. Because that order is so important. Again, Luke repeats at the end of his gospel. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. I Don't you see that one back up on the screen that we saw it a minute ago. Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. He's given them the mission to go do, but he's saying you can't go do this in your own strength. This is impossible in your own strength. This takes power from God to do it. So you wait, disciples, until you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Then go do the hard work of making disciples wherever you go. Friends, that is why Jesus so clearly says in John chapter 15, verse 5, and this is a verse we need to own and to really get our minds around. It says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. You can do nothing, friends. Not, you can do some things you can't do as well. Friends, apart from Christ, we have nothing to offer. Apart from Christ, we will never be able to make disciples. It's just something that can only be done in his strength. And friends, though we can say this verse, apart from me, you can do nothing, friends. If we look at our lives and how we pray, if we look at how much we seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit, how much we study Scripture, do our lives really believe that we say that apart from Him we can do nothing? So what we've seen so far, what power do we receive we find the strength to do something? Where does the strength come from? It comes from the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, why does He give us strength? He gives us strength to do something hard, to make disciples of Christ wherever we go. Now, that leads to one last question this morning. How does His power enable us to make disciples? How does this power enable us to make disciples? Now, we talk about needing power from God to do this, but what does that practically look like? How does he give us strength to make disciples? Can I suggest this morning? There's four things that the Holy Spirit gives us that all together enable us to have the power, the strength to do these hard things. Four things the Holy Spirit gives us that together gives us the power, the strength to obey the Lord. Number one, the Holy Spirit gives us the conviction that scripture is true. The Holy Spirit gives us the conviction that Scripture is true. This goes back to what we saw last week, that without the Holy Spirit giving us understanding, we would not know the Word of God. Without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't remember the Word of God. So he gives us a conviction that what we are reading is true, friends. We are never going to be making disciples if we don't believe this is true. We're never going to do the hard things of trying to see people become followers of Christ if we really don't believe that Christ is who he says he is, and this is the path to God. I love how 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 Verse 5 describes it as the gospel goes to an area. He says, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full what? With full what? With full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. The gospel came with conviction. The Holy Spirit gave them conviction that what they were hearing is true. And because they had conviction in it, they could be bold to make Christ known. I love the example of Peter in Acts chapter 4, verses 11-13. to 13. Here you have Peter, who's before the Jewish leaders. It's not exactly a fun place to be, but notice his conviction of the truth of what he's standing up for. This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Verse 12, he carries on. And there is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter, now realize that he is saying before a group of people who hate him, there's salvation in no other Name, And as it says here in the verse, he was uneducated common men. Friends, he had conviction from the Holy Spirit that these truths were true. Therefore, he was willing to share them with others. One of the authors I was reading this week said it so well. He said, a witness is a person who has been so touched so powerfully, so deeply moved by the reality of the living Jesus Christ, sweeping their sins away and inhabiting their heart. There's absolutely no sense of doubt anymore that there's a light outside that window or there's a pulpit here in front of me and you speak with the kind of confidence of one who knows who's tasted and who has seen friends the holy spirit gives us confidence because we've tasted we've seen we've experienced we know this to be true and therefore we find confidence to do what he's called us to do to be to make disciples so the holy spirit gives us conviction that scripture is true number 2 how does the holy spirit give us power the holy spirit number 2 gives us a love for other people the holy spirit gives us a love For other people. Friends, if we have the conviction this is true, we know the fate of those who do not know Christ. Friends, with the conviction this is true, we know what people are missing out on if they're not walking in joy and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in this life, friends. So the Holy Spirit produces in us a love for other people, a love for non believers who need the gospel, and a love for one another so that we help each other pursue Christ more. That's why when it's a text for another day, but Galatians chapter five verse twenty-two, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, when you look at what the Holy Spirit produces in us, notice the first one. The fruit of the Spirit is what's the first one? Love that the Holy Spirit produces in us—a supernatural love for God and for one another. If you want a good example of this, you see this in Paul himself speaking about the Jewish people. Romans chapter nine verse one. Notice the love Paul has in his heart. For the Jewish people, because of his conviction of scripture. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Verse two, he carries on, that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Verse three, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. He's saying, I love these people so much and I know where their fate is apart from Christ. I wish somehow I could, if I could give up my salvation, I would because I love them see it again in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, as he reflects the same sentiment. Brothers, my heart's desire, my prayer to God for them is they may be saved. The Spirit of God gave Paul not only conviction, this is true, he gave to Paul a love for other people. So the Holy Spirit gives us conviction of truth of Scripture, gives us a love for other people. Number three, he gives us courage. He gives us courage. This idea of making disciples is hard. To talk to non-believers about the glories of Christ is hard. My friends, it's also when to talk to believers about the glories of Christ and to lovingly help each other overcome sin, to get into each other's lives and to ask the hard questions out of love because we love one another. It takes courage, and the good news is the Holy Spirit gives us courage to do what in our own personalities we perhaps would not do. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, we see a glimpse of this. I love this. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They now have the power, the strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. And what happens? And they continue to speak the word of God with what? With boldness. That's boldness to the lost. And that's also boldness to one another. God gave them a spirit-given boldness and courage because they love one another, because they had conviction of the truth of Scripture. One more thing the Holy Spirit produces in us that gives us the power, the strength to do these hard things. And that is number four. He gives us the wisdom to know what to say. He gives us the wisdom to know what to say. Just as we saw last week, he guides us with scripture. And part of that is he gives us remembrance of scripture. And he brings those right scriptures at the right time to our minds so we can share them with one another. We can share them with the non believers. A great example this is Acts chapter 6, verse 10. This example is Stephen. Stephen was one of the first deacons in the early church. You see Stephen standing before a crowd of people, proclaiming Christ in them with this goal of making disciples. He's proclaiming the excellencies of Christ. And the people didn't like it, but though they didn't like it, verse 10, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit which he was speaking. These are people who were rejecting the message, who hated the message, but they couldn't withstand the wisdom that Stephen had. Where did that wisdom come from? You go back up to verse 5, just a few verses earlier. This is when he was set apart as a deacon. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit that gave him the God-given strength and power to do the hard things of making disciples among People and that gave him the wisdom to know what to say in those situations. So, friends, all four of those are gifts of the Holy Spirit to us. The conviction that the word is true, the love for other people, the courage to speak in those situations, and the wisdom to know what to say. When you put all four things of those things together, friends, we have power from on high to be able to make disciples. So let's try to bring all of that together. So, how does the Holy Spirit help us? I think you've already seen this, but here's the main idea of this text for the morning. The Holy Spirit empowers us to make disciples of Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He gives us conviction. He gives us love. He gives us courage. He gives us wisdom so that we can make disciples of Christ. He gives us all these things, this power, this dynamite, this strength that comes from his presence in us so we can make disciples, so we can call non-believers to see who Jesus is, to repent and to believe and to find the path of joy of worshiping God and living a life for the glory of God. But also to continue to call fellow believers to the path of discipleship, to living our lives together, following the master, to live our lives together, overcoming sin, and longing to know more of who he is. And friends, yes, this is hard. Yes, this cannot be done in our own strength. So the command to make disciples is dependent, is completely dependent upon us, first of all, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to make disciples of Christ. So that in view, my question for myself and all of us this morning is quite simply, are we finding strength from the Holy Spirit to make disciples of Christ? Are we finding the strength to do this? This is not just the commission for missionaries overseas. This is not just the commission of the elders and the deacons here at Gateway. This is for all of us. If we are in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us, and he, the Holy Spirit, is empowering everyone who names the name of Christ, who belongs to God, to be making disciples, to be proclaiming disciples. Christ's excellencies? Are you finding strength from the Holy Spirit to be doing these hard things of making disciples? Let's break that down to two kind of sub-questions. Are there lost people that God has put in your life? People who do not know Christ that God has put there, and he's put the Holy Spirit within you, obviously to give you faith and to give you understanding of the word, but he's also giving you the Holy Spirit so that you can make Christ known. Who are the non-believers God has put in your life? that He's given you strength from the Holy Spirit, power from the Holy Spirit, to make Christ known to them. My friends, remember discipleship doesn't just end when someone trusts Christ. Discipleship is a lifelong journey of knowing Christ more and more. So who are the believers that God has put in your life? Because the idea of making disciples, is not just a program in the church, it's the call of every Christian. So who are the other believers that God has put in your life for you to be discipling, for you to be pointing back to scripture, for you to be praying for, for you to be encouraging, for you to be coming alongside, helping by speaking the truth in love? Friends, who are the people that we are making disciples of because we have strength from the Holy Spirit? For the ways that we're doing that, let's rejoice and be thankful, but let's not get comfortable doing it in our own strength. Let's continue to rely on Him to give us the strength for it. And for the ways that we see that we're falling short and relying on His power to make disciples, let's begin even today to pray. Asking the Holy Spirit to fill us asking the Holy Spirit to give us conviction, asking the Holy Spirit to give us love, asking the Holy Spirit to give us courage and wisdom and all these things, and asking him to give us the power to step out and to make Christ known more and more even to one another. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your sovereign plans. Lord, you could do your will and your work however you want to. You could write the gospel message in the sky. You could send it to people in dreams. You could... Do all sorts of things to do it. But, Lord, your way of communicating your gospel truth is through the mouth of your people. God, you've given us your word. You've given us your clear revelation. Now you've given message of reconciliation and send it to others. Lord, I pray that you would help us grow in that. God, for those of us who try in our own strength to make disciples, whether it's evangelism to non-believers or discipleship of believers, would you forgive us for the many ways that we've tried to do this commission in our own wisdom, and our own strength, because, Lord, we know that's ineffective. Apart from you, Lord, we really can do nothing. So would you grow in us a desire and a hunger to rely on you to do the tasks that you've called us to do? Yet, Lord, realistically, we all see ways that we've fallen short, where none of us are where we desire to be or need to be, and being found faithful to this calling, to rely on your power and your strength to make you known, to proclaim your excellencies to one another and to the lost. So Lord, would you forgive us for the places where we have fallen short, where we've been living for ourselves and focused just on what we get from you, where we've turned a blind eye to people you've put in our lives that we're to disciple and we're to point to you. Would you forgive us for those things and would you give us new hearts, Father, to long to be your mouthpiece, to make you known, to proclaim your excellencies. And Lord, we know as we ask this, we can't manufacture this, we cannot produce this, but your Holy Spirit working in us can. So we just humbly ask right now that for me and for these precious brothers and sisters, God, that you would send your Holy Spirit this week in new ways into our lives to remind us of how great you are and to give us eyes to see the people around us. And I pray that you would give us the courage, the power, the strength this week to step out, to pray more for those who are around us, to talk more about you to those who are around us. And I pray you just open doors for us to make disciples, so we can proclaim your greatness, perhaps in ways we haven't seen before. God, you do it all for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song this morning?
1: What amazing grace, how sweet the sound, saved a wretch like me. For I once was lost, but now I'm found.
0: Pray on our behalf. Would you take a minute reflecting what we just sung and ask God to give you a growing conviction of the truth of what we've just sang, and a growing love for others and a growing courage to make this truth known to others? Would you take a minute and just ask Him to do that in you. Now, would you take just a minute and, if there's particular non-believers who are heavy on your heart, would you just give them to the Lord? and ask him to give you open doors to proclaim the excellencies of Christ to them. And for other believers, God has put in your life. He's put them there for us to encourage them in the path of discipleship. So would you lift up the opportunities you have to point others to the truth of God's character? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Father, what an incredible mission you've given to us, your people, people who've experienced reconciliation, people who've experienced a new creation, who've experienced the joy of knowing you. Lord, grow us. And our love for being ministers of reconciliation, being your ambassadors. But oh Lord, guard us from trying to do that in our own strength. Today and this week, I pray that we would experience the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, giving us the power to do what we can't do ourselves, to make disciples of those you put in our path. We'll give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a great Sunday afternoon.